0: 19, 19, no, 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 19. The average age of a soldier during the Robotech Wars was 19. And this is episode 19 of the Pure Tokyo Scope podcast. I am Patrick Macias, the author and editor. Of Otaku USA magazine, sure, why not?
1: And I'm Matt Alt, veteran of the Robotech wars. What about the cola wars? I survived those too. I also survived Pac-Man fever. The console wars? I uh, survived the Attack of the Gobots. The challenge of the Gobots? It was. You're right. It was a cha- That was only a challenge. That one was just merely a challenge.
0: Challenge of the Gobots will return after these messages. So what's on the agenda today? The agenda today, uh, we have news and we have our first Q&A segment on the podcast Ooh. where we uh, will be reading out questions from listeners like you and responding to them. But in the meantime, we're going to open here with the news and uh, it's a big- Oh, wait a
1: second. Q as in questions, not as anon. I thought we were, we were going to change the entire focus of the, f- the podcast to something else.
0: Actually, it's ultra Q&A. So there's going to be like monsters running around Tokyo doing mysterious things. And we have to put on like blazers and like action slacks and try to figure out what's going on.
1: News we can use. I want some news we can use.
0: Okay. Now, perhaps, Matt, I don't know if you knew about this or not. You know, this is kind of a little known secret that I think only a few people really keyed into uh, what's really going on under the surface are aware of. But Japan is going to reopen independent travel and lift daily arrival caps on October 11th. And
1: visas are being waived. So you can just come and it's like Japan unsinks,
0: and they're also going to make it free. Just show up, just bring the whole fucking family. Uh, it's a two for one pizza deal. You get a free table at Jiro Dreams of Sushi, and you can sleep over at the Ghibli Museum.
1: That's great. Let let all the tourists go to Jiro. I'm going to be I'm going to be hogging the pizza bar at Shakey's all to myself.
0: So this is a, a major policy shift after nearly two and a half years of uh, peace and quiet and, and harmony and everything was great. And uh, COVID restrictions kept us all safe, but now it's all gone to the wind. I mean, you know. I
1: am really of multiple minds about this. Like I think a lot of people are like, everybody is happy to see things going back to normal. But you know, the idea that the, there's a lot of concern that the people coming in are not going to be as conscientious. Is that the word? As locals have been about uh, observing. I don't even want to say protocols. It's just like courtesy. You know, Japan is a courtesy-driven culture, which drives like, you know, ferocious lone wolf cultures like America uh, nuts. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what sort of cultural mishaps we have, like when the Bad News Bears came to Tokyo. The Bad News Bears go to Japan, 1978. Caught in a clash of cultures and ready to wreak more havoc on Japan than Godzilla, the Bad News Bears are back for their third outing. This time, the Bears have been spirited off to Tokyo by a slick and sleazy con artist who sees in the team a perfect peg for a get rich quick scheme. And the resulting comic chaos is hilarious.
0: I mean, I feel like everyone who's been listening to our show has been like pacing around in the boarding area at the airport, like waiting to get on the plane. So, you know, I'm happy for them. It'll be it'll be fun to see some of those old familiar faces stomping around uh, Mandarake and Akihabara again.
1: Oh, totally. No, I'm really looking forward to being able to like, you know, hang out with friends again. That's going to be great. And also to be able to go back and forth to Japan without having like every orifice, you, you know, <laughs> checked at customs for potential viruses. So that's good. That, that, that's good, um, but you know, change is scary, and this is a big change. Speaking of scary.
0: This looks like the opposite of nature healing itself. Looks like the Mario Kart go-kart racing experience is up and running again in Japan. And I checked the website, and uh, indeed they are accepting reservations for you to dress up like a, a goofy character from one of your favorite video games and ride around Tokyo in a go-kart. Do you love Mario Kart? Is it your dream to drive around in a big city in a go-kart like this dressed up as Mario? Good news. Mari Kart in Tokyo has got you covered. Let's drive.
1: What's the word for when like a malignant tumor returns? I, I think that's what the, a relapse. I think that's what this is not nature healing. This is a relapse of something that was driving people up the wall before uh, COVID happened. Uh, these Just for those who might not be aware, the Mario Kart thing is a company that runs literal go-karts. On the streets, the very crowded streets of Tokyo and Shibuya and like Harajuku and places like that in particular, kind of guiding tourists around on these cars, carts, through traffic so they can see the sights. And up until now, you were also allowed to, I don't know if it was rent or borrow, costumes. So that you could live out your Mario Kart fantasies on the actual streets. The problem is, this isn't a video game; it's real life, and these hordes of like, like exhaust spewing little vehicles that look like they're about to get crushed under the wheels of one of those giant like AKB forty eight sound trucks uh, driving through Shibuya was kind of grating, to put it mildly. But
0: they're back. They're back with a vengeance. And it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm not against people having fun per se, but it would be kind of cool if they did something useful, like, you know, deliver my food or something like that. Right? Yes.
1: Uber Mario Kart. Uber. That, yes. I would be full. Yes. There you go. But this actually leads into our next segment, does it not? Which is that a, a should, do you want to read it? Do you want to read this
0: headline? Because it's it's too amazing to be believed. Copy of Mach 5 car from anime Speed Racer joins police patrol in Japan. Here's the story, Matt. A replica car from the 1960s anime series Speed Racer joined a police patrol on September 21st. The replica of the Mach 5 left Gunma Prefecture's police station to the tune of the theme song of the TV anime patrolling the area with police cars and motorcycles as part of the national autumn traffic safety campaign. The Mach 5 was built over a period of about 15 years by Hiroyuki Fukuda, 57 years old, who runs an auto repair shop. Police approached him to participate in the event, hoping it would raise awareness about safe driving while bringing a sense of nostalgia to middle-aged people. That was
1: that was actually kind of a bummer, that last bit. When you said police approached him, I hoped that you were going to say, and then he fired the spinning razor blades out of the front of the Mach 5 to slice their tires off.
0: Calling the Mach 5. Come in, Speed. Trixie calling the Mach 5. I'm in the middle of a race, Trixie. Don't talk to me now. Can't you wait till it's over? Speed, listen to me. Eloise's brother, Hap, has got to win. Please let him. Why should I let him win? I'm out to win myself. Now sign off, and don't bother me. But Hap must win so that he can pay for the doctors to make his sister well. And besides, Hap would then be hired to manage a big car factory. That would solve all their money problems. Please let him win, Speed. It doesn't matter to me what his reasons are for wanting to win. I wouldn't be playing fair if I let him win the race on purpose. But
1: Speed. I'll see you when the race is over, Trixie.
0: Well, I mean, maybe this will inspire criminals to, like, replicate, like, evil speed racer cars, like the car acrobatic team or, like, the mammoth car. And there can just be, like, uh, I don't know, craziness happening. They can team up with the Mario Kart racers.
1: The big question is, is this going to kick up the value of all of those die-cast Mach 5 cars collectors have been hoarding over the years? That's really, that's the big, that's the only question that matters.
0: Isn't there a gold one? Isn't there a gold Mach 5 I saw someone hawking? Yeah,
1: no, so somebody, that's like a jewelry company released, like, it's a solid gold Mach 5 for, like, impressing, I don't. I don't know who you would impress with that. I'm I'm mildly impressed by it. A nostalgic middle-aged man? Yeah. That's me. That's me. You could probably buy a real Mach Five for the amount that that like solid gold Mach Five costs, and it has nothing to do with this like real life Mach Five. I it's it's amazing. It's like it's it's raining Mach Fives in Japan right now. The streets are paved with Mach Fives. That's why I moved here 20 years ago.
0: Uh, speaking of nightmares that never end, it's going to get real here. Japan's funeral for divisive slain Prime Minister Shinzo Abe fuels backlash. Japan will honor former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe with a rare state funeral on Tuesday, a ceremony that has become a flashpoint for public anger over political scandal and deepened opposition to successor Fumio Kishida.
1: Okay, you know, that that's all that's all good, you know. That's all well and good and you know, you read well, that very you. nicely and it sounds very kind of like grown up and whatever. But let's just can I frame this? Let's let's frame this in the starkest possible terms, okay? Let's put aside the the politics of Abe. Let's put aside like the non-stop scandals none of which was ever resolved. Let's put all that aside. This funeral of this Japanese politician is literally going to cost more than what England paid to lay the queen to rest. It's, and that's just what they say it's going to cost. We know from what happened with the Olympics, the last time the government said something would cost something, it ended up costing three times more. So it's a little bit understandable, I think, as to why many locals here are so up in arms about the idea of holding a funeral for this guy. Controversial. Well put.
0: They're already beefing up security around town. There's been a bunch of demonstrations and marches, and some crazy stuff has already happened, like a guy set himself on fire to protest the funeral. So I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. It might pop off. Maybe nothing will happen, and this will just be like another thing that people just get over real quick. But well, there's,
1: an, there's an argument. I was speaking to a journalist friend, a Japanese journalist friend of mine, and you know, he was no huge obvious supporter or anything, but he said the argument for holding it is that this gives Japanese leaders a chance to kind of be on the world stage again for a news cycle and also to kind of like press the flesh with other world leaders in a uh, in a way that you know wouldn't normally have been scheduled. But I really wonder if the Queen's funeral has just sort of thrown all of that off because everybody was paying so much attention to that last week that this just seems like a complete, I don't know, oh, wait, another funeral? For, for who? It also
0: ran, yeah.
1: You know, it's and Abe was, you know, to his credit, is is like the most memorable, uh, uh, like he's a symbol of Japanese politics to many people abroad. So he's like a really well-known face. And it makes sense that the his party would want to kind of eulogize him, but- you know, they've been hellbent on making it seem like his death was a kind of terrorist attack when we all now know that it was not, and that this is some kind of like fight for freedom, which it's not. So there's a lot of like kind of weird messaging and, and politicking going on that has just all conspired to make this a giant mess. And it happens this week. Uh, it's happening on uh, Tuesday of this week, and
0: it will be very interesting to see how it actually plays out. Do you think when Abe wore the Mario hat at the Olympic ceremony that, that he was kind of advertising for the Mario Kart racers? Oh, no, that's an entrance. <laughs> Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, Super Mario.
1: Yes, everything's connected. There's some kind of, I'm sure there's some kind of numerology, necromancy uh, connecting all of these happenings. It's like, uh, what's that What's that? That, that movie? Makai Tensho, uh, Utsuki Doji, all of these like supernatural beast cities of Tokyo. This is the Tokyo all the tourists want to return back to. It's actually a supernatural megalopolis. Matt, let's make it a wicked city. <sighs> well, the good news is that by the time tourists actually show up here next uh, month, all of this will be behind us and hopefully we'll be
0: getting back to normal. So after this, we will cut to a commercial and go to our feature segment. Music video? I can't see it. If the music don't sound good, who cares what the picture looks like? Then Pioneer gives me their laser disc player. It's a video turntable that works with a laser beam, and that laser beam makes all the difference, they tell me. I'm a little skeptical, but I listen.
1: I listen to Flashdance. I listen to Duran Duran. I listen to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I even listen to me. And I sound good.
0: I sound better than good. Fact is, the stereo on the Pioneer LaserDisc is as good as anything I ever heard on my stereo. And according to the experts, the picture blows videotape away. (laughs) Now, who am I to argue?
1: The Pioneer LaserDisc brand video disc player. Video for those who really care about audio. For the Laserdisc dealer nearest you, call 800-621-5199.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the very first Pure Tokyo Scope podcast question and answer session.
1: And we're here to answer these big questions that have been not only troubling listeners, but actually humanity as a whole since... We first crawled out of caves, discovered fire, and began killing each other.
0: The first question comes from Mr. Jason Fetters, who asks, what are the best toy stores still open? (laughs) See? See? I told you. I told you this is like one of the big
1: questions that's been troubling humanity forever. What are your favorite? There's a lot to say on this topic.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like over the last 20 years or so, since I've been coming back and forth to Japan, like Mandarake really has consolidated the toy experience. The used toy experience. The used toy experience. And you can just blow your brains out by going to any of their flagship stores around Tokyo. But it really depends what you collect, I think. Like, uh, I like a lot of kaiju vinyl. So there's like the Jungle Shop and the Akihabara Radio Kaikon that's got some really good stuff. Sometimes I like to see what's kind of happening now. What are the new toys? And I'll just go to like Yodobashi Akihabara, which is like, you know, a giant uh, electronic store, but they have like the whole floor the sixth floor is just the latest toys, the latest video games. None of that vintage stuff. No. So that, no. that's what I would advise.
1: And as as for new toy stores, you know, Bandai Tamashi Nations just opened up this pretty massive and swank new shop right outside of the Akihabara Electric Street, Electric Avenue. Is that where we're going to take you to exit? And it's in the old space that used to be occupied by the uh, Gundam Cafe and the AKB48 Cafe, if you know where that is. Oh, I used and, to go there daily. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you wanted like a cup of coffee that AKB48 had spit in
0: or whatever it was they served there, it was really the only place you could get. Is that what they served there? The only place you could commiserate with other like lost lonely men who no longer care where they wake up in the morning? <laughs> Look, are there really 48 of them? Really? So wait, so Tomashi Nations always has like showrooms of like their latest stuff all over Akihabara, but like it's a store. You...
1: So Bondi, Bandai is a big toy company, but like their only showroom in Akihabara for a long time used to be in this like disused. Used tunnel like deep beneath the, the crust of Akihabara that you would kind of pass when you were walking from one side of the station to the other and it was you know it was nice now it's this incredibly high tech permanent display area with like giant LCD screens like showing like these huge blow ups of advertisements and things like that and like like lines of all of their version anime figures Chogo Keen, Ma Cross you know Kimetsu no Yaiba Demon Slayer you name it uh, giant showcases full of stuff. And of course, are you shocked? They also sell. Many of these products there. It's cool. It's it's kind of an experience. It like more so than the previous like Akihabara uh, Tamashi Nation showrooms have been, and it's definitely a place to go if you're looking for new toys. And even as somebody who is not like hugely a collector of modern new toys, it was kind of cool to see everything under one roof like that. It was like one of their Tamashi Nation's events. What are they called? Festivals, festas, like once a year, and it kind of felt like one of those going on all the time.
0: So, what about uh, recommendations for the old vintage toy stores? When I when I was a kid. Uh, when you when I first
1: started coming to Japan it was entirely like kind of in search of Japanese toys and you had to come here back then to like hunt for them because there were all of these like little mom and pop otaku run shops vending you know collectors turned pro kind of selling stuff and then like you just said Mandarake really consolidated that uh they're basically the only major game in town now for that but the truth of the matter is like coming here looking for stuff is kind of silly because you can get almost anything off of Yahoo auctions, you know, just like video killed the radio star, like Yahoo auctions killed the toy store, the independent toy store. And so, you know, if you're really like looking for something rare, you know, spelled with like six asterisks symbols in it, like they do on on eBay, online's the place to go. But if you want to just kind of come here and soak in the ambiance, knock on to Broadway is the place to go. And to a lesser extent, Akihabara, I think. And there are other little like kind of independent places
0: here and there, but- But you ain't going to tell what they are because- That's my hunting ground.
1: (laughs) Does that answer your question, Jason?
0: I hope so. Okay. The next question is from Dionisio Franca. I'd like to know more about the different publishers and genres of manga. Sometimes it takes me so long to find a title in a book off. Okay. Well, this is a thing because- some bookstores in Japan organize manga by the publisher. Right. So, not the title, not the artist, the writer. So, yes, it can be a pain. So, I really advise you to learn the kanji for Shogakukan, Shueisha, Katakawa, um, all the major publishers. So, you'll know at least that. And, you know, you can use Wikipedia to help you find the name of your favorite artist or title in, in kanji, but um, you kind of have to know who the publishers are to even navigate um, your friendly neighborhood book off.
1: Yeah, it's not even just book off. Any bookstore, like they, they organize by publisher here, which is so insane sane to me that, you know, you'd have separate Sections for like you know business books or like anime books or whatever depending on because or or anime business books depending on who the publisher is not the content and they do have like content dedicated sections too like especially for really broader stuff like travel books but if you're looking for something really like pinpoint like I want this book you buy this author like knowing the book title and author is not enough to find a book in the bookstore in Japan you also like you just said need to know the publisher so bear that in mind it's just a, a kind of quirk of the of the Japanese Japanese publishing industry. Um, I'm not exactly sure why it is. It used to throw me for a loop too when I was looking for stuff.
0: But some bookstores do organize by, um, you know, writer or artist. I mean, like Mandarake, for example, they do organize. See, there's no consistency there. I mean, it, it's all over the place here. Like
1: Mandarake, Mandarake never mastered the Dewey decimal system. Uh, Mandarake, never... I mean, Mandarake is like its own thing. And I think they understand people are more interested in genres or like specific authors than they are in like who the heck published it, you know, cause you're especially some of those like kind of classic guys like they they put out books from so many different publishers under so many different like you know imprints that you know it's, it's kind of crazy not to group them all together by author but you know different strokes for different folks
0: is it kind of created a culture war between fans of different publishers, kind of like uh you know I only like,
1: read Kadokawa,
0: <laughs> Team Shueisha, and they all spit on each other and say like uh, our comics are better than yours. It's uh, you know I wonder if it's some kind of and this is something to kind of follow up on. Is it just
1: because you know publishers wield so much power here, they're able to tell book publishers, oh I don't want my books next to that like filthy rival of ours. Um, I honestly I, I honestly don't know the answer to this, and and somebody you know some listener might might swoop in and, into the comments uh, with an answer answer but it's just a fact that's how things are organized here
0: well here's one thing you can always do in japan if you don't the answer you can ask someone because they'll be more than happy to help you if you can't find what you're looking for to me that's that's like a last resort because i like digging around and that's how you find, uh, you know, unexpected things, but it's true. The staff will probably take a bullet for you if you need help with something. It's true. It. Getting
1: That's why it's so fun to get lost in Japan, even in like outside of a bookstore. You know what I mean? It's like, I spent huge amounts of time here as a kid, just getting lost, <laughs> looking for toy stores and places like that. And it gave me a sense of, of kind of the layout of Tokyo more, I think, than the average visitor, uh,
0: at that time. So get lost. Book on, book off. Okay, the next question from BeatMega3DX. Is that their birth name? If you were to collect formats like VHS, Beta, or LD in 80s to 90s Japan, how would you best describe the culture of collecting such formats? particularly in the Japanese market. So I, I'm assuming he's talking about like how collectors collect these things. Well, I don't really think, you know, it's interesting. I don't think
1: videotapes and laser discs are particularly collectible. You see them like sold for really cheap, actually, in most places right now or on auctions.
0: There are a handful of titles on VHS tape that never made it to digital. And those those command big prices. Yes. And Mandarake will have like a VHS tape for like hundreds of dollars. Yes. In those rare cases, it's...
1: It's kind of like, you know, for a long time, like there were no really expensive m- old manga. People just didn't look at them that way. Now, more recently, in, in like the last decade or so, a collection of old comic books has really taken off, but there's no like, oh my God, this like 1986 edition of Shonen, you know, Jump is, is worth a billion dollars, like, you know, in the American comic book collecting industry. It's funny. It's. The, the worship is of the content, not so much the 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 medium. And so I, I think, especially when something is available in newer formats, the older ones just kind of drop off the face of the planet.
0: Yeah, I feel like DVD is slowly turning into LD, meaning like junk, meaning like crap no one wants anymore. Like there's all those box sets. So I don't know who's going to buy like a DVD or a Blu ray box set unless it has something that you can't get online or streaming. Yeah, or well, you have like.
1: to be somebody like our pal Yoshiki, whose entire house is covered floor to ceiling, wall to wall, and racks of like movies uh, on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff like that. I I personally welcome our streaming overlords. Like I'm so happy to not have to buy, you know, physical product to clog up my house and shelves anymore. So I kind of get this sort of graduation to newer and and, and more virtual things, but um they're definitely still out there. Like there's that entire CD shop special, specializing in background music from movies and stuff in Mandarake, right? And I know there's like a DVD box
0: shop. The sign will say AV, DVD, CD, and LD, Laserdisc. Like Laserdisc is still something you can try to lure someone into a shop with. I've never seen like an all LD shop though. I've never seen an all LD shop. I went to Mandarake and Akihabara last week and they had hundreds that possibly thousands of LDs. They had they had a whole new LD section, just like like cardboard boxes just filled with going for peanuts. They're really trying to get rid of this stuff now. And it was stuff that costed like hundreds of dollars upon original release. I don't know. I don't know how I had to feel about it because you know, laser rot did me dirty a few times, Matt. I'm not gonna lie. Could
1: could you smell the laser rot in the air? It sounds like something out of an eighties uh, sci fi film, but it was a real deal, right? Wasn't it like delamination of the laser disc layers or something like that?
0: Laser rot is absolutely real. But uh, yeah, you don't know. I mean, for, you know, for for five bucks for a box set that probably costs like three hundred dollars when it first came out. I mean, maybe I could handle a few lines of static on the screen, but I don't know. I don't have an LD player. I'm not that insane. I know we have some friends who are fanatical about collecting every single home video release of like the Macross movie, for example. Like you've got to have the beta tape. You've got to have the VHS. VCD, definitely, yeah. The VHD, the venereal disease.
1: I was gonna say, you know, if you're for anybody, for anybody listening, if you're concerned about laser rot, you should definitely speak to your doctor. Uh, My doctor helped me with my case of it, and my case of the Zoids too. So, I'm completely clear now. I'm, I'm cleared to hang out with other human beings now.
0: That's one to grow on, Matt. The next question is from Samuel Satin, my uh my brother from another mother, uh who I've co-written several books with now. Can you talk about LP hunting in Tokyo? What kind of stuff do you look for? Where do you find it? What about the process if anything is unique to Japan?
1: This is this is one for you. Like your LP records and they're all scratched. Is that what you're going to talk about?
0: I started collecting vinyl during the pandemic. Uh I grew up with vinyl as a kid before like CDs took over when I was like in my early teens. So it's been, it's been a been a while. And I started by looking for things that had never come out on digital. Like there's a lot of Japanese movie soundtracks, not just anime, but like live action stuff too, that just never made it to digital. Only a record of it. So I started with that. Then I discovered there's like a book off. Book off seems to be like a running thing in this episode so far. There's also hard off, which was my nickname in high school. I don't know what it meant, but
1: don't forget. Are you going to say, are we allowed to say it? You can say it. Liquor off? Liquor off. Yeah, sure. Why not? It's actually real. I'm not. I'm not being salacious here. It's. It specializes in old liquor. But please continue.
0: Well, I mean, Book Off is like a step above a thrift store. Like it's a highly curated thrift store, but things are real cheap. And uh, they. The place. The one near me has LPs. And when you say you have LPs, it's mostly like, it's probably like 50% old Yamato records. Cause that's mostly what you're going to find out there on the street level. Uh, and then some Macross records, stuff like that. So I would start buying stuff cause it was just so cheap. And, uh, you know, gradually I became psychotic and got an ultrasonic cleaner and throw them in there and, and get them nice and, and high grade. And, uh, you know, I have a few other Holy Grails I started picking up post-punk and some like 90s alternative rock. And I, I I actually play them. I don't just hoard them. And uh, I'm not the only person. I mean, there's like people out there every Saturday when the new arrivals hit the stores in Shibuya and Shinjuku. Those have, places have some of the craziest record stores in the world and some of the craziest record collectors.
1: Do you, do you own Kimono My House by Sparks? I do not. OK, I saw it actually. I saw it when you took me out uh, vinyl hunting at, we went to Tower Records. Remember that, people? It used to exist in your country too.
0: It's a grand opening store-wide sale. Tower Records and Video is now open on Florin Road across from the Florin Mall. Get BASF blank videotapes just $4.95, or Sony's high-grade videos only $5.95. BASF Audio Chrome 90's $1.95, and Sony Audio 90's just $2.77 per tape. Right now at Tower Video, all video rentals just $0.99. Plus, register to win a new 86 Toyota truck from Floor & Road Toyota. It's a grand opening sale at Tower Records and Tower Video on Floor & Road.
1: We went to Tower Records and I was actually kind of shocked an entire floor devoted to LPs. It sort of reminded me of when I was eight years old and went to Tower Records in America in like, you know, 1980 or whatever year it was.
0: Yeah, I got to say like, like going to Tower Records and like leaving with like a vinyl record in a big bag is a very, very weird, surreal feeling. I didn't necessarily think that was going to happen again, but it is a lot of fun. I think when we went there last time we saw what it was at the uh, it was a Beastie Boys 12 inch for um, She's On It. Yes, we saw a lot
1: of good stuff in there. It's funny because you'll have like the Beastie Boys and then suddenly there'll be like Queen Millennia the soundtrack, like right next to it. It's like a very Japanese sort of like mix of content in there. I, this is true in the States too, I'm sure, but like LP record. Collecting is experiencing like a serious renaissance right now, right? These shops are everywhere. It's not just Tower Records. Like there's a bunch near me. And like it seems like recently every time I get together with some of my degenerate friends,
0: uh, like we end up at a record shop, like with me watching them looking through the racks. It's a fun thing to do. It's fun to get in the old crates and dig and find buried treasure. If you like collecting, if you have that. Itch to scratch. I mean, LPs will definitely do. It. And I guess in Japan, like, what's unique about it is just it's highly curated. Details really matter. They'll let you listen to the discs in advance. They'll let you inspect the discs. They'll let you do whatever you want with the discs as long as you you know pay on the way out. I don't know. It's
1: there. There's a lot of connoisseurship kind of here and appreciation for like not only the the packaging, the music, like the whole enchilada of it all and. I don't actually own a record player, nor do I collect records, but I find it like strangely relaxing to be in a record shop, just kind of like watching the other people in there going about their business.
0: And the next thing that looks like it's kind of gaining steam here is cassette tapes. Oh, wow. Every record store I've been to is like sort of like the size of like the vintage cassette tape section keeps growing and growing. I don't think I can go there. I'm sorry. I don't think I can go back to cassette tape. Well, because LPs actually
1: sound good. LPs actually sound good, like unlike tapes tapes like never sounded good. Even when you bought those like what was it like chromium oxide metal tapes, like they never ever sounded as good as a record. Certainly when I not playing in a, you know, tape deck of my 1986 Thunderbird borrowed from my dad. Cassingles Patrick, do you remember them? Cassingles. It was a thing like briefly late 80s. So
0: things that were a thing, on that note, Kaiju Sommelier <laughs> asks, are there any hand painted movie posters in some areas of Tokyo? I remember being fascinated by them when I saw some in 84. Uh, I'm gonna say no, I don't think there are any left in Tokyo. The only one I'm aware of is there is a theater called the Shin Sekai Koksai in Osaka, and they do do hand-painted movie signs, uh, even today and they show second run foreign films, meaning like American films. So they'll have these like derpy Keanu Reeves or like Nick Cage paintings. Right, right, They're not right. quite as crazy as those African movie posters, but someone's still doing hand painted movie posters. This
1: made the rounds on Twitter a couple of, of weeks back and I, I months back, I think that years, it all blends together in the post COVID era. I remember seeing that place and thinking how amazing it was And the reason I thought it was so amazing is because you don't really see that much anymore. It's just, you know, regular posters up on the walls.
0: And it's called the Shinsekai, but they're still doing hand-painted movie posters. The New World, is that really what we're living in? It's like Roger Corman's New World Pictures. So go to Osaka, Kaiju Sommelier. That's my recommendation because they have a grindhouse with hand-painted movie signs, and that's always a good thing. Anything else? Uh, Yes. Well, I got to answer this question here from Nickelodeus. This is very specific, but I think this is going to be a fun one. Hey, guys. Who was that couple in San Francisco who had all those Japanese tapes? I thought I heard a story on a podcast that you could rent real time in their space and watch whatever they had. Is this setting off any alarm bells for you, Matt?
1: Well, that's a pinpoint question. I'm just laughing because it's just like, it's so local. I love it. I I love it.
0: You know, before streaming anime was a thing, you had to take measures into your own hands. And uh, if you lived in San Francisco or the uh, Northern California area, like I did back in the 1980s, there was a guy and a gal named Owen and Eclair Claire Hannafin who ran something called the Japanese Animation Archives out of their home in the Excelsior District in San Francisco. And um, these guys were were older SF fans. I can tell they might have partied with Forrest J. Ackerman. They were not Anime crazed kids like I was back then. And they were sort of like wearing like leather bondage gear. It was very San Francisco. Oh, wow. Okay. This is getting better and better. Okay. And for a certain amount of money, I don't remember how much, maybe just, you know, your your social security and income tax return number, something like that. You could go to their place and look at their anime books, which they probably just bought at Japantown, and access their archive. They were archivists, meaning they had like, you know, cassettes of anime that they had probably traded for.
1: And can I clarify that this this wasn't some like serial killer house where they were luring
0: children in with anime? It was actually like a real archive that just happened to be dressed in bondage gear? Well, I don't know if they were a nonprofit because they did sell stuff. I bought my first anime CDs from them, the, the Captain Harlock and the Galaxy Express Symphonic Suites. Oh, nice. I only went there once. My dad drove me up there from Sacramento when I was like 13 or 14. And I don't know what the hell he was thinking when he's sitting there on the sofa with these like guys in like bondage gear, eating screaming yellow zonkers while I'm watching like Message from Space on their you know Sony Trintone TV.
1: In their living room, basically. In their
0: living room, but that's what parents do. Wow. That was the Japanese Animation Archive. They don't have any footprint. I was looking around for Owen and the Claire Hannafin online and they have, there's like no cultural memory of them, no internet way back machine for these guys. It was like, you know, I don't know what happened, but there might be some people out there listening like Carl Horn, I think, uh, might remember. I want to learn
1: more about this. I, I think this is, this is really amazing.
0: This is what you had to do before you could just, uh, you know, yeah pre-internet, hundred percent pre-internet pre digital. Right? They might've had an LB player. This this reminds me, you know,
1: there, there is like a serious memory hole in the kind of 80s Like deep subculture world where just so much of this stuff did not transition. It didn't leave any kind of mark. It's just kind of gone. And it's not just kind of things like this arrangement with this couple running a business out of their house. Like I used to really be into dial up BBSs back then. That's how we got a lot of our anime information, you know, with our like 300 baud modem uh, dialing into the, I don't even know what you want to call it. It wasn't the Matrix. It was like a computer in some dude's closet. And there's like no record of any of these. We spent huge amounts of time in junior high school and early high school in these places. Like
0: it's gone. It's like it never happened. It's it's kind of scary. All we are is dust in the wind, Patrick. You should get that LP. Tears in the rain. On that note, that reminds me, we have a question here from Tokyo Tronic. I'll bet you will both fail a Voigt Kampf test. My question is, who would do worse? Probably me because I'm a radical Blade Runner 1982 fundamentalist, and I don't believe in any Blade Runner that's ever happened uh, since then. So,
1: we can try this. We can try. Okay, there's a tortoise. It's on its back, it's beating
0: its legs, baking in the sun, but you're not doing anything, Patrick. Why is that? There's a laser disc, Matt. You have to get up and turn it over, but you're too lazy. You've been sitting on your sofa eating screaming yellow zonkers for the last 12 years. You're describing my life. This is, I think we're passing. We're actually passing the voight Kampf test now. And for our last question, for our first ultra Q&A, Kevin Derendorf asks, will you all be doing a Halloween episode? It's always Halloween here, sir. In my mind, we should do a Halloween episode. I'm suggesting we dress up like otaku, the way normies do sometimes to make fun of us. They wear like plaid shirts and the headbands and like bad glasses. And you'll see kids, you know, at Halloween parties in, in Tokyo saying like, I'm an otaku, I'm an otaku. I can get a sheet, I can cut two eyes out of it. Cory Okina Kabocha, Charlie Brown. They don't, you know, they don't actually, this, this might come as a shock.
1: They don't actually celebrate Halloween here because the spooky months in Japan are actually the end of August when Obon happens and all of your uh, beloved ancestors are given a day pass from the underworld to come visit you again. And in so doing, it kind of jars the lid of hell open a little bit and like all sorts of yokai and stuff come out. So that's the creepy season in Japan. Uh, When Halloween comes, it's just like, oh, Late October. Oh, let's 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 follow in the footsteps of of the foreign people and and dress up and give candy to children. I mean, Japanese love adopting any kind of foreign. I don't, I, is is Halloween a holiday? I don't know.
0: Did you get off from school? I didn't. Not like a federal holiday or anything like it that. It should be. It should be. That's what I say. No, but I mean Shibuya traditionally before this pandemic thing you know would explode it would like become this giant outdoor halloween party you know i would get drunk and tip over cars it was great ike bakuro has like giant halloween events yes yeah
1: know, yokohama has a big one yokohama because slasher uh the aforementioned yoshiki uh was always inviting uh us to go down to that oh win.
0: i went one time i dressed up like the, the, the blue ranger and i went to a screening of the rocky horror picture show at the yokohama yes they halloween always have a party. rocky horror screening there right
1: right right did you throw toast at the screen or is it like
0: no but I did yell out everything that I could remember from my misspent youth. Mike, were the Japanese
1: screaming things at the screen or or was it just like, was it like quiet? Were they quietly watching like they do rock shows here?
0: No, they have their own weird Japanese Rocky horror fandom and their own call and response stuff to to the screen and stuff like that. Actually, we should probably get slasher on at some point and talk about yes. Japanese Rocky horror fan club. He's one of the, the biggest Rocky horror fans I know of. Okay. So I think that wraps it up for episode 19. We made it out the other end. Thank you so much for your cards and letters.
1: What a wonderful image. Yes, we were pushed out the other end. I feel great now.
0: Now we're going straight to Shinzo Abe's funeral on our Mario cards. And just think, when we tune in next time,
1: we're going to be 20, episode 20, like Captain 20, who I grew up on on the WDCA television channel in uh, Washington, D.C. as a kid.
0: But in the future, who knows? Maybe we'll get outside and explore Tokyo a little bit more, uh, do some portable field recording, stuff like that. But in the meantime, continue to support our show, Uh, Thanks so much for listening.
1: See you next time. is almost here. GoBots, Battle of the Rock Lords. you asked for it. Soon, on the big screen, you'll meet Heroic Boulder, Evil Magmar, The Gnarly, and a cast of fantastic new Rock Lords. This is one battle I do not intend to lose. GoBots, Battle of the Rock Lords, the movie. From Clubhouse Pictures, rated G. Coming soon to a theater near you.